Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum, so glad you're here with me this week. My guest on today's show is one of the featured wrestlers in the women's division of AEW, Anna Jay. So far in her short career, she's been featured in the Dark Order and the Jericho Appreciation Society. She seemingly came out of nowhere early in 2020 in the pandemic and became a star, even though she was already the star of the show. AEW is, ex- is in an exciting time right now. Double or Nothing coming to Las Vegas Sunday, May 28th, as well as AEW is announced all in London at Wembley Stadium on Sunday, August 27th. Crossover show with New Japan Forbidden Door on June 25th in Toronto. With all that going on, there's going to be a lot to do in the next little while. So for right now, here we go with Anna Jay. So pleased to have me today, the Queen Slayer, a woman not to mess with, Anna Jay. Thank you so much for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. So starting off, you, you just came off an incredibly physical match with someone you were close with, Julia Hart of the House of Black on this past Dynamite. How did it feel to have that kind of a match with someone you've been close to and also tied to throughout your career on, on live television? Yeah, well, I mean, it was cool. I definitely didn't expect to have that kind of match with Julia ever. But yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's one of those things where... To me personally, those kind of matches are the most fun and the most intense and kind of just a different beast in itself. So to have that with Julia was kind of cool. I mean, obviously, we're not the best friends now, but yeah, overall, I'm happy with it. And I think that it went okay besides me losing. Right. I was going to say, you keep ending up in these wild brawls. You had the match with Ty Conti against the Bunny and Penelope. You had the big leaping power bomb against Willow Nightingale in the street or this street fight here. What do, you, what do you like or dislike about creating in that kind of a, an environment? Um, it's a good question. I mean, for di- different reasons, I mean, every match is going to be different. But, like, for the past one against Ruby and Willow, those kind of things, like, the, something went wrong. And, like, that's kind of something that you kind of go into each match expecting that anything can go wrong. But especially with these matches and the weapons that you're able to use and everything like that, it can just get really crazy. So I think you kind of go into it um, trying to be as safe as possible, but also try and make it as crazy as possible. So some things go right, some things go wrong. But at the end of the day, obviously, our goal is to have a killer match and also to do some crazy stuff with it being safe. But the last match, like I said, did not go that way. Yeah, it's almost like every, every little piece of it is some other variable that can kind of throw throw things off too. But uh, like you said, something like that could happen in any. In, you know, I've seen catastrophic injuries happen in in real. You know, in regular just one on one matches, but people slide wrong or something or miss a step or you know. So it's not. You know, I think they sometimes get a bad rap, but it's just you know, you just have to be in control of the situation. So. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and how it was exactly that you ended up landing in this world of pro wrestling? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I've definitely said this before, but I just grew up watching wrestling as a fan, and my dad loved wrestling, and I would watch it with him every week. I have two brothers, and they never were really into it, so I would sit down with my dad every week and watch it, and my favorite part of it was the stories. So, obviously, the physicality is the cool part as well. It's entertainment, but it's also, you know, these crazy athletes that are doing these crazy things. So all of it really interested me, but like I said, the story part especially. So I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like this is like a really a TV show that you get to tune into each week and get these things like and follow up and tell a story and see what happens at the end of it. So I loved it. Um, And I growing up just kind of did normal stuff. I danced, I cheered, 
but I always said I wanted to wrestle and my parents all always were supportive and always said like, yeah, you should try it. And after high school, I went to college and I just kept saying like, I just need to find somewhere that I can train and ended up finding somewhere. So here I am now. And that was at the, the what's now the nightmare factory. I think it had a different name before that. Just, uh, you know, and, and so was it that easy of a decision to just turn around and just say, all right, I'm going to go here. If this works, then we're going to go for it or. Yes. So basically what happened is um, my uncle, who's really great friend and roommate, I think in college, uh, Glacier WCW, um, oh. he was friends with him and knew that I wanted to wrestle and they just talked about it. And it was happened it happened really in the coolest way because he basically was saying you know i'm opening this wrestling school with qt marshall if she's really interested and she really is serious about it you know tell her to come try it and see if she likes it and that's what i did i went to a super camp it was called at the power factory which was the name before the nightmare factory and i went one weekend drove to atlanta it was snowing in atlanta my brother came with me and i didn't even step foot in the ring because i obviously never had so there was no point of me actually getting in at this camp but um i just watched observed kind of went in um into it not knowing what to expect and i fell in love even more and knew that i wanted to do it and ended up moving i think about six months later i finished out my college semester and then moved to atlanta full-time so how Far before, uh, I remember seeing your first match on television was right in the thick of the beginning of the global pandemic, a, a complete unknown you were at the time against Hikaru Shida about three years ago, I guess it was now on Dynamite April 1st at the Nightmare Factory, I believe. Yeah. And um, just somebody with a great look and a presence about you. What was, you know, how, how long after that was this and what was the reaction to that performance like for you? Yeah. You're saying how long after? How long after you started was was that? Yeah, so I mean, not super long. I did have a shoulder injury in between, which stopped me for a little while from training. And then also I was going to debut in an indie match and I never got to do that in the beginning. Um, It was probably, I think I started training in 2018. um, And then I wrestled for about, gosh, I want to say six months or so and then ended up getting hurt then i was out for about six or seven months then i came back and did about five indie matches i think and then the pandemic happened so it was just kind of my luck which was bad at the time but didn't know that it was going to lead to something like this um yeah and then the pandemic started and they were doing the tapings at the nightmare factory in atlanta didn't have a lot of talent on hand because of travel being you know canceled and that sort of thing so i got asked to go and that was history then and then just your reaction what was the reaction like to your performance and how, how did you feel that it went and that's it's, it's even hard to tell in that kind of an environment too because you know the first i don't know how long of your career was in front of no fans of yeah. you know tv wise yeah for sure so yeah it was weird but it was also like the best way to go into it with there being no fans just because like the only few indie matches that i had weren't you know it was 60 to 100 people maybe but i was so used to doing matches and training which was no one just wrestlers um yeah so it was super cool the reaction was great i thought i mean after that my um twitter kind of blew up and all of that kind of stuff and it obviously never had before because no one knew who i was so i think it was for the most part positive reactions and i remember you know just feeling super great about it afterwards um and i was super happy and i did not expect that to happen so i'm really grateful for it yeah, that was that was tremendous. And 
what are some of the things you've worked to improve at kind of since then? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, wrestling in front of a crowd is a totally different beast, which is the most fun thing to do ever. But, you know, as I go, it's just more about getting reps and like being more comfortable in the ring, being more comfortable in front of a live crowd, being more comfortable in what I'm doing and just getting used to doing it as much as I can, because a lot of these people who come into it already have that. And I did not, unfortunately. Obviously, I'm really lucky to have been signed, but, you know, sometimes it's hard just because I'm still learning as I go, which everyone's learning, I guess, in their own ways. But, yeah, I'm definitely learning on live TV. Um, so, yeah, I try to take something every week whenever I do something and get feedback in the back and just go week to week. Are there any specific mentors or veterans you've worked with to own your craft? Any wrestlers that you look to either inside or outside AEW as you continue to learn and improve and kind of, you know, just kind of watch and, and learn? Yeah, I mean, definitely the obvious one, I would say, is Chris Jericho. I get to go to him every week and get feedback from him, whether it's with promos or wrestling. Um, another person would be BJ Whitmore, um, and he has been incredible with the women in AEW. So everyone, I think, would say the same things that I'm going to say. But yeah, he has been incredible and someone who's helped us a ton. And yeah, I really appreciate him. Um, there's obviously tons of people that get feedback week to week. It just sure. depends. But Chris and BJ are the two big ones that I can think of right now that really have helped me pretty much every week. And BJ Whitmer is somebody with a ton of experience. So I'm not sure anybody, everybody would think of right off the bat when you, when you talk about somebody who's, who's been in the ring for a long time, but has also worked behind the scenes for a long time and helping people out too. So that's, uh, it's interesting to hear that. So he, he works a lot with the, with the, the women's wrestlers in AEW you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much every woman on the roster he has obviously worked with at least once probably, but yeah, he's the best. And, someone who's very great to go to. What is it like being in AW right now? It's kind of a really exciting time for the company. Obviously, Double or Nothing's coming up in Las Vegas at the end of the month. A probable record-setting crowd at Wembley Stadium in August. What do you think about when you hear those things? And just, I guess, what is it like being in this company at this point in its history? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to probably say the obvious, but it's awesome and it's super cool. And yeah, it's a great feeling. It really feels like there's so much excitement behind what we're doing right now, which there normally always is, but right now feels even different. It feels even like a greater thing that we're about to do, which is cool because it's just like we keep moving up and keep going, which is the goal, obviously, but to actually see that it's happening and to feel that it's happening is a whole other thing. So yeah, double or nothing coming up. Like you said, Wembley's incredible. Never thought that that would happen and not in a bad way. It's more just like we knew we were going to the UK, but who would have thought that it would have been Wembley and sold this many tickets at this point in time. So yeah, it's incredible and a great time to be a part of AEW. And I always say to people too, you know, whether, you know, people get a little bit tribal with certain fan directions of, okay, I like this company or I like that company, but the growth and the sustainability of AEW is so important for the pro wrestling industry, the wrestlers themselves, and just to be able to give the fans a different option, a different take on what wrestling is. Do you, do you kind of see it that way too? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, pro wrestling is something like I have always been a fan of. So to see, like you said, it's like a whole other thing, a whole different company and it's thriving and it's something different for people who want to see something like AEW is doing. So yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's just adding to it and making pro wrestling better as a whole. 
So with uh, Double or Nothing coming up, any predictions on how the Four Pillars match might go with MJF defending against uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara? Well, this is hard to say because, you know, I'm in JAS. We've got Sammy Guevara, incredible talents. Then we've got Jungle Boy, who obviously I am rooting for behind the scenes a little bit. <laughs> um, but then you kind of have the obvious, MJF. I don't really see him losing this, but, you know, you never know. Of course, I'm pulling for someone else, too, but we'll see. if It'll be a great match regardless. And it's so cool to see, you know, in this you know, part of a pay-per-view, the headline part of a pay-per-view to see talent that new and that young and that fresh to a national audience too. Um, and it, you know, regardless of which way it goes, you're still getting that. So, you yeah. know, you're, you're, you're getting a, a relatively new direction, um, you know, for the company. So has it been nice to see kind of, you know, sort of those originals you know, of which you're kind of one of them because, you know, you started pretty, early in the company too, to see, you know, people like that getting this, this type of an opportunity. Oh, a hundred percent. And it just kind of goes to show that like all elite wrestling is growing these stars and from the ground up. And it's because of, you know, them personally. And it's also because of the company itself. So I think it's great. And yeah, I, like you said, the four pillars is a great example of that uh, for incredible, talented people that are going to be, you know, headlining a pay-per-view and they've all started here in AEW. So yeah, I think it's great and it's, it's really cool. And it's a testament to AEW and the talents themselves. And, and as you personally look at the Forbidden Door, are there any people on the other side of the Forbidden Door that you'd like to see across the ring from you as this, uh, as we come okay. up on this? Well, I probably know it will not be me, but you know, I do hope our champion, Jamie Hayter, um, has some sort of match there. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a lot of great talents on the other side. I think there's obviously a few obvious ones that some people do want to see, and there's been a huge fuss about, you know, seeing certain people be at this pay-per-view. But I don't know. Like I said, I think for me personally, I just want to see Jamie Hayter have a match and have a killer match with someone. Yeah, I think it, it would be cool to you know to be able to see the women have that opportunity. New Japan is a unique company in that they just culturally in New Japan, it's men's matches. They've started doing a little bit more on the women's side with the IWGP title and also doing some of the stuff domestically. But even with stardom and some of that kind of stuff too, and I know you guys have had a number of different Japanese talents in the company too. So I, I'm not really sure how much you've gotten to wrestle a number of them. I know they've had like Ryu Mizunami in. They've had... Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, Amy Sakura is there all the time, pretty, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mace and some of those other ones. Any any of those that you'd like to, you know, even if it's not at Forbidden Door itself, you know, just be able to step in the ring and kind of just see where uh, you stand with them? Yeah, I've um, been in a match versus Amy Sakura in a tag match, I think, on Dark multiple times. So I've gotten to work with her some, and she's incredible. And I think people have definitely gotten to see that more and more over time. So I think I would love to have a singles with her. Um, I also have worked with Yuka as a tag partner, mm. and I think she's incredible. So to wrestle her, I think would also be really cool. But yeah, I would say probably one of those two that I would love to. I mean, but all of them are great. Like you said, all of them are super talented and bring something different. So any of them. What's the biggest difference when you step in with somebody like a like a, a Yuka Sakazaki or a, or an Emi Sakura for, for you? Um. What's different, like just the I mean, anything else? different, like stylistically, anything you need to do different, anything, any adjustments you need to make that you wouldn't maybe normally do against somebody, you know, with more of an American style, I guess. Um, I wouldn't say adjustment necessarily, but I would say 
they're pretty much all incredible talents. So I don't know. I think going into it, you almost feel more confident in a way. Um, I don't know. I think there's really kind of go into every match kind of feeling the same and kind of making adjustments accordingly to each one individually. I think everyone is kind of different. So I don't think it's necessarily their style. Um, I think it's really just like a personal adjustment, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I know people always seem to enjoy your kind of outbursts backstage when you have your, you know, yelling at people and stuff like that. I always crack up when Emmy Sakura just, you know, she'll just add some little verbal cues in her matches that mm-hmm. get me either singing the We Will Rock You or just yelling out, I am your highness for no reason in the middle of the match. So yeah. I think you kind of maybe, maybe you have to react differently. It's, it's fun to see how that kind of in-ring personality can come out of somebody like that, even when there's maybe a language barrier or something else like that too. Sure. Universal language being wrestling. Um, what was it like for you being with Brody Lee in the original Dark Order? And kind of how did you end up in there? And what kind of influence was he on you and on the group as a whole? Yeah, how, how I ended up there, that was pretty much the first thing that I was a part of, obviously. Um, I think once I got signs, their idea was kind of for me to join. I didn't really understand how I was going to fit in, especially with the character that I guess I came into AEW with. Obviously, that would all change and everything and it ended up being the best thing ever. Um, his influence, yeah, his influence on me, incredible. Um, I'm so thankful for the time that I did have with him and all of our guys. Um, he was great. I say this all the time. He would always watch my stuff as well and give me feedback and help me. And he was super kind. And the influence he had on the group as well was just great. And it was really like a comfortable uh, energy that he had and a comfortable energy with the whole group and it just everything fits and we had really just the most fun together to be honest and I think everyone could see that on BTE so yeah I'm super thankful for those times and those guys are always like family. When you're in a group is there an off-screen sort of dynamic of the group that can make it work too any sort of chemistry that develops among the members? Oh 100% yeah like me saying family it's it really feels like that like we really feel like um like they really are my brothers and we are great friends outside of it and you almost kind of have to be um it's hard to you know probably work with someone that you don't really want to laugh with and stuff so that was even more so to the extreme like i couldn't look at them without laughing so yes it was great and they gave you the number 99 right off the bat too did you did you understand it completely right away or no and i've said this to you before i think maybe chris jericho even asked me like no he gave me the number and never really said anything and i just kind of went with it i was like you know maybe there's no meaning to it i don't know and then later i found out that it was because of wayne gretzky's number and him being such a huge fan of hockey and then being the great one um i think i found that out maybe in an interview that brody lee did Interesting. Um, i never knew Probably should have asked, but I was so shy when I first got there and stuff. I just pretty much did what I was told and just went with it. Um, but, yeah, it's super cool that I got that. I think some people were thinking about Agent 99 from the old uh, Get Smart, too, whether it was that. Yes. But then you realize that, you know, okay, Brody was also a huge hockey fan. So it makes a lot yeah. of sense for the other way, too. And it works both ways. Yeah. Now now you're in the Jericho Appreciation Society. How is that similar and how does it differ to the times in the Dark Order and I was—I actually had written down to ask you what it was like learning and working with Jericho, but we already touched on that. But there's so many other people in that group too that have been around yeah. for a while and have a lot of perspective on uh, on wrestling for sure. Yeah, no, the group is fun. It's it's a different dynamic, but also the same in the way that we have had really a great time. Um, even like on the Jericho cruise, I'd laugh so much with these people. So it's great to have those experiences because it just makes that bond stronger, and then it makes the chemistry on screen stronger too. 
Um, yeah, and then with Jericho, he's obviously great and knows so much and has so much knowledge and experience, and it's been great to be able to go to him. He's someone that I've always been a fan of. Like, even when I met him, I think I was in shock. Like, I just never thought I would meet him, let alone get to work with him and be in a faction with him. So it's been really cool. Um, and yeah, everyone's been great. Um, Daddy Magic, he's kind of like my John Silver of the group, always making me laugh. So it's, like I said, it's a different dynamic, but it's also the same in a lot of ways. Um, but it's been good. It's been great. Was Jericho somebody you, when you were growing up watching the shows that you, uh, that you gravitated towards? Yeah, and I think, too, it was more like my dad was a fan. And so even if I didn't, like, necessarily relate to watching him, I would always watch because I knew my dad liked him. So it was just cool, like, knowing that and then being able to meet him and work with him. So, yeah, for sure. And would that have been WCW Jericho or WWE Jericho? It was WWE. Interesting. Because some of his earlier stuff, his WCW stuff was kind of like when I was in college. And that yeah. was always the stuff with the list of the, the 1004 holds and all that stuff and going to the Library of Congress and uh, yeah. messing with Dean Malenko. All, all just such creative stuff that ended up, you know, obviously leading to all the other stuff that he did too. But uh, yeah. So much, such a body of work there that uh, unbelievable. So when you said the line about your behind in your bed attitude, were you expecting that to turn into a t-shirt or is it just something that you said? And what did you think of the reaction to that? Um, I, well, I kind of knew if I was going to say it, like it was going to kind of create some sort of buzz, whether bad or good. Um, I don't know. I thought it was just kind of on brand with the whole, JAS because everything's kind of ridiculous in like a great way. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it fit and I was like, you know what? People sometimes say these kind of things to me. Why don't I just say it and just see where it goes? Um, and yeah, I just kind of went with it. So I kind of thought about saying it for a little while, but I kind of went back and forth. I was like, I don't know if I want to say because it it's not really me personally, right. but it works with the JAS. And yeah, I just decided to say it and that's kind of how it happened. It becomes a t-shirt. You make a little bit of money off of it. Man, what the heck? Yeah. And, and, and as far as the reaction to it, it's, it seems like it's actually been a pretty positive reaction in terms of, you know, body positivity, that kind of yeah. thing too from fans. So, what, what, you know, what have, what have you thought of that? Yeah, I think it's great. And that's kind of one of the things that I was thinking too. And when I was talking to other people about saying it, I was like, you know, I think this is great because a lot of women, like, I feel like they can relate and you know guys too and like even guys backstage are like i want this shirt i've got daddy <laughs> magic wearing it backstage and you know so it's kind of funny but yeah i kind of thought about that too i was like honestly it's kind of a positive thing so if i'm gonna say it about myself then other people want to say it about themselves too very very good so we're gonna move on to something we call the three count now it's gonna be three quick questions and your answers so first question the meme of john silver whispering to you do you have a favorite fan interpretation of what he was saying? Uh, I mean, I think probably the generic one. It is funny. Like a lot of the memes that they compare it to are the ones where a guy is talking to a girl and she's just not interested. So maybe not like the text itself, but just the picture and thinking in that way. I think it's funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, second question. If Anna J could come to the ring to any song on the radio, what song would you choose to enter to? Oh my gosh, this is kind of funny. Uh, not right now, but I will say a funny story. Before I was even starting to train with wrestling, I would imagine like what I would walk out to. And it was the time that Fancy by Izzy 
wait, no, Iggy Azalea, excuse me, uh, came out with that song and it was super popular. And I was like, this is the song that I want. So I'll say it out. What song was that? I'm sorry. Fancy by Iggy oh, okay. Azalea. Super basic, popular song. Everyone knew it. Not a good song to walk out to the ring with, but I, that's what I wanted. But if that's what you wanted at the time, yeah, <laughs> it's all, it's all wrestling's all about timing and, and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that, too. So, and then the last question if you could switch personas with an AEW wrestler for one day, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh, personas that's a hard one. Um, who would I switch with? Sorry, let me think. I know that's supposed to be quick, there's Maybe no rules Cassidy because he's so relaxed and kind of doesn't care, but he does, he just comes off very chill i don't know and he kind of can be lazy about certain things so yeah maybe him that's a good one because then he'd have to switch with you also so he'd be (laughs) yelling at people and choking them out backstage and that would be very unique for him what i love about him is like yeah he's got the whole i didn't understand his character at all when it started and once you just realize like oh it's all just psychology like that's Mm -hmm. all that it is and he's actually fantastic oh my gosh and a workhorse. Let me say that. Literally, I, I'm like, someone needs to check on him. He is really putting in the work for this title and stuff, so he's incredible. It's been an absolutely amazing run, and I don't think one that people would have necessarily expected, too. So it's it's great, but he's got the low resting heart rate, like they say, so he, <laughs> I think he's going he's gonna to make it through. Right. But, uh, yeah, that would be, it'll be fun to watch you guys switch places, undoubtedly. Well, uh, Anna Jay, thank you so much for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Really enjoyed this, and all the best to everything you've got coming up in AEW and uh, everything uh, that you're a part of. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Anna Jay for joining me today. I'd also like to thank John Schneider and Adam Hopkins from All Elite Wrestling for helping set this up. Join me next week where our guest is a standout from NXT, Tiffany Stratton. You're not going to want to miss that. Have a great week, everyone.